Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about when to systematize. <laughs> Love how you said that word. It's a real word. We looked it up. Yeah, we had to. It didn't sound like a real word to yeah, me. Yeah, I thought, I hear people say it all the time and I'm like, but aren't they just trying to sound smart and isn't systemize the real word? But looked it up and it turns out systematize has been around since the 1800s and peaked in the early 1900s, probably around the Industrial Revolution. So there's your, the more you know. (laughs) Stay tuned. This episode gets better, we promise. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) Systematize is a word. Um, Cool. Okay. So in our last episode, we were sort of venturing into execution waters, so to speak, you know, how we we de-risk things by creating, you know, make increase the odds of success of any kind of uh, undertaking by creating different kinds of systems, whether that means um, programming systems, like I, you know, I, I program some things, uh, or if it's checklists or things you hand off to a VA or some combination of those things. And we did get uh, some feedback that that would be an interesting thing to talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I think there's probably going to be, I think the big difference between the two of us is that I do program some things. Um, and I program you, nothing. But do you have, have you had anything programmed though? Like, I think you yes. have. So yes. Like, what sorts of stuff have you, are like literal software automations that you have, if any? Um, well, I'm not using it anymore, but when I used um, Thinkific, which is a platform for, for coursework, um, I hired somebody to create um, a special application of that for me. Um, and I used uh, Zapier for a little while with that. Um, I use Moonclerk, but I don't think that really counts. That's like, that's, that's so simple. Yeah, I, yeah, but but I, I call that, for me, that's programming. Uh-huh. Um, like uh, I also did the programming in my, in my ConvertKit welcome sequence only because I needed to understand it. If I needed to do more, I would hire somebody to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really, to me, systems are ways to get things done and to hand them off. And I like to do as little of the actual programming of anything as I possibly can. Sure. And, and I do too. I'm the same way. Like I don't rush to program stuff just because I can. Uh, my experience with it has been that whenever I have done that, and especially when I really have fun with it and go nuts, uh, is that it it does two things. One is um, it creates an inertia for me to not want to change the system. So like, yeah, you know, because it's like, uh, now I'm gonna have to go re-debug all of that, and it's. You know, it's all this code. I'll just keep doing things the same way. So it creates this gravitational pull that that doesn't that you don't get when this the system is really just a checklist or text document that you can you know update on the fly with like zero complications. So I actually you know speaking of when to do it, I I would probably it would probably surprise a lot of the developers in the audience that I am really reluctant to automate almost anything. Um, I have probably way more than you, but they're all little, like, I I don't think I have any elaborate systems. And whenever I have programmed elaborate systems, I've either ended up chucking them. I even hired, I even paid a developer to build something for me that I used once and chucked it because I needed Mm. to change. It had to do with the way TPS was published and uh, Slack, which I use heavily in TPS. Basically, that's where the, that's where the entire community is. Uh, they they changed. They added some features that obviated the need for the thing I, I paid someone to build. So just didn't need it anymore. 
Um, so mm. th things like that, are, are, I mean, it's sunk cost, so who cares? But um, I, I am probably a lot more reluctant than people would imagine to to write or you know spend my time or my money to get anything, certainly anything even moderately elaborate programmed. Well, I really like that idea of inertia. Well, I mean, I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's good to be but, aware of. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's that's the issue for me is related, which is when I have somebody else programming program something for me, I have to rely on them. Mm -hmm. And if they disappear, especially if I'm using a solo, there's always the chance that they disappear. They decide not to do it anymore. Um, they, uh, you know, go off into the sunset. They get run over by a bus. Yeah. Um, then I have to, I have to deal with that. Yeah. So it's that's the part of the system. So I, I tend to err on the side of I want to know what is being done by mm -hmm. any system, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, man or beast or, mm -hmm. or, a, 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 an electronic thing. I want to know what it's doing and how it works. And I want to know how it interacts with anything else. Cause mm -hmm. that's when it's always bitten me is when there's some interaction, like on the, you know, behind the, my website, there's one piece that ties into something else. And I, I don't know that it does that. And then we tweak something and it breaks. Yeah. Yep. And we've had guests on the show that have, that have talked about these things in the past. So if, if folks want to, you know, just, just a quick heads up, if you want to go back and listen to the Todd Trester episode, we talked about this yeah. a little bit because um, he, he's all about creating leverage and systems is one way to do that. And I think our follow-up episode called Practical Leverage was kind of on this mm -hmm. you know, sim similar topic. And even Jason Resnick, who came on recently, he talked about, uh, you know, he does a lot of email automation, but still he keeps it as simple as possible because... Like he laughed when I said, I have stuff in drip that I don't even know why it works. And he's <laughs> laughing. He's like, yeah, that's what happens is like if you do anything really elaborate and it's touching like, you know, Moon Clerk sends information to Zapier and Zapier sends it to drip mm -hmm. and, it, and it tags them and it kicks off a workflow and the workflow, just, it's like, how do I even trace this down? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, we've done a couple of shows on this, but the real focus here is when, how to know when to do it. Mm -hmm. So when do you think it's time like, what's your process when you're, you've got a new process, you've got some new thing that you're going to do on some kind of regular basis, or maybe on a regular basis, or maybe you don't even know that yet. Like, so when do you start to think, hmm, I need to pull out a, I need to start taking notes on what I'm actually doing here. Well, for me, it's when I'm doing something new. Like when I started what is now Authority Nation, I knew I was going to need to put it on a platform. And this was before the pandemic started. So I was using Zoom just here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided to use Crowdcast and I'd never used that before. And so uh, for me, if I'm going to do a program and it's live, I want it to be good. I don't want to have kind of stupid mistakes. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I'd like to avoid the stupid ones. <laughs> so for me, and, and I actually hired a specialty VA to help me with this because I didn't even know what I didn't know. And so I hired someone to help me put that together to set up the Slack channel. And then what I did was to make sure that I understood and the back end, everything that she had done so that I could run it myself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then once I uh, had the, I had a, a special checklist for the first call because I was nervous about the first one. I wanted the technology to work. I wanted people to have a great experience. So I had kind of an elaborate checklist. 
And, and yeah, this is just me. I do them all in Word documents because I just like to be able to print them off and read them because my handwriting is atrocious. Mm -hmm. So I just want something that is there that I've saved that I can then update as I figure things out. So for me, it's that checklist is about something new. But once it, I know it's going to be part of my regular routine, then it goes into a master checklist, which we can maybe talk about mm, later. Okay. Yeah. I, I do like a checklist. Yep. I, I Again, as a programmer, I, it's amazing how useful a simple checklist is um, for any anything that you have on a recurring basis. You know, so like, mm-hmm. like I don't. Well, let's see. What are the, the things that I do the most often, like the most recurring things? My daily email is definitely one. We can talk about that. Um, the My first really huge checklist win, though, was with group coaching uh, because it happens every other week. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where like every time I'd be like, and there's a lot of stuff to do. And every time I'd be like forgetting something or like it, it, I would do probably you know, all of the important steps, maybe I would forget some of the less important steps and I do them in a different order every time. And it just felt like, like by the time the setup was done and it was time to go live for the, you know, it was also on Crowdcast when it was time to go live for the video session, I'd be like discombobulated. Mm-hmm. It always yep. felt like, you know, I would spend like an hour being like, oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I forgot to check the mic. Oh, I forgot to check my bandwidth. Oh, mm-hmm. the, my disc is full or I'm on the wrong Wi-Fi. Just all these little things. My, my, I forgot to shut off my phone. I forgot to close Slack and notifications are popping in. I mean, a million little dumb things that could potentially impact the experience for the students in a negative way and distract me and just make mm-hmm. it unprofessional and lame. So so I, I wrote it one time, probably after talking to you. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a simple text document. It's like my code editor, sublime text, nothing fancy. I just have a... It's like a checklist. And we have one yep. now for the show. We have, like, I'm staring at one now for, for TVOA. There's, and, and it, I like the pre flight on there. It's fun to look at. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a dumb list of, th- it's just a reminder. So it's like quit Slack, quit Chrome, pause Dropbox, silence phone, make sure correct mic is selected, make sure original sound is selected, allow Rochelle to record, hit record in Zoom, hit record in QuickTime, you know? And it's just like all these little things. But my, you know, and it's like, I don't know, 12 things or so looks like about 12 13 things pre-flight and then maybe 20 after we're done and uh but for group coaching it's like a mile long it's i have like a ton of stuff send a reminder and and but it's and none of it absolutely none of it is automated none everything is 100 manual and the difference of the experience is night and day like it used Mm -hmm. to be you know, if my if, if the session usually starts at one on Thursdays, every other Thursday, I'd have to sit down at noon and and get it like, OK, did I remember everything? Did I like check my teeth? Did I, you know, like, is there <laughs> stuff on my shirt? You know, all this stuff. And so the, so I sat down and I went through the whole thing and I typed up everything I did and then did the, the, the session. And then afterwards, I typed up everything I forgot to do. Yes, exactly. This big, long list. And it was in a horribly inefficient order because it was just kind of scrambled. And so I put it in the most efficient order, which took like no effort. You're just like, oh, I should, right. you know, I should do all of the the network checking in a, in a group and I should do all of the phone stuff, at, you know, make sure you slow up notification, blah, blah, all the phone stuff. And then all of the Slack stuff and shutting off, you know, and so it's like really, mm-hmm. really easy to organize it when you've got the huge messy list. 
I mean, it was kind of fun. It maybe took me 10 minutes or if I was having fun, 20. And now I can show up like 10 minutes before a thing and just zip down the list. And it's not because I've been doing it for three years and I've got it memorized because I don't. If I didn't have the list, I'd be lost. Yes. Well, you'd have that niggling feeling that you forgot something. something. Right. And that's what creates stress in you as you're trying to to do your teaching. Mm Mm-hmm. So I collapsed an hour of of stressful scrambling into 10 minutes of like efficient execution. Yes. And now I can show up reliably and not one bit of programming. I cannot emphasize that enough. There is not one thing that is automated in the entire process. I have some yeah. keyboard shortcuts that are like, you know, that I, that I use, but, but that's it. You use that for everything. I, keyboard shortcuts is like, that's the pro tip right there. Like you have some kind of text expander program that... That's that is like if you're going to do only one thing, do that. It's it's a godsend. Well, I think you know as I was listening to you, a way to think about this is remember Steve Jobs had his uniform. He would wear a black turtleneck and jeans, and mm-hmm. he never had to think about it. He just put it on. Mm-hmm. It was there was no friction in that. And the way I look at it is, our days are full of friction. Um, mm-hmm. There and we only have so much attention that we can spend. And no matter how much you think you have, you don't have that much of your prime <laughs> time to think and interact at your highest level. So take it out of that. Take all this stuff that you really don't need to worry about and put it on some kind of a checklist or a, a procedural outline, so that you don't have to waste your brain space on it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to describe but i can go through the checklist with my brain off like i my brain is not engaged i'm relaxed i'm, I'm not even thinking about what i'm doing i'm just doing what i'm told autopilot it's autopilot exactly it's even though i'm doing it it's autopilot my brain is not even there so i'm just chilling i'm like thinking about i even have in the checklist early in this in the procedure look at the questions that people sent in in advance and my, I can think about what I'm going to say while I'm brainlessly doing the checklist. So I can spend mm-hmm. like 10, 15 minutes sort of thinking about, okay, what would be the, the most effective way or useful way to answer this question, You know, it, which is the important stuff that my brain needs to be engaged on. And I'm not thinking about like, did I shut off Dropbox or not? Right. Because you know? <laughs> that stuff gets you. I mean, it just kind of nibbles at the edges of your consciousness and mm-hmm. it pulls you out of the moment. Yes. So, so I would, I would say in turn, no, if we stick with the idea of when to do this, I don't know when I did that, but it was fairly early. I mean, I could probably go back and check the creation date on the file. I'll bet you 10 to one. It was after we did the episode with Todd because we talked about, we talked about systems and lists for like you and I did for weeks after that. Yeah. It could have been. It could very yeah. well have been. It, but it sh- I'll tell you what, it definitely wasn't on day one because I didn't know what all the things were. Like I didn't, it, it was still, there's like this, this like where I'm kind of inventing it still and like not even sure what the whole thing is. You know, there's like, the, I, I would, I, I would never start with a checklist. I can't imagine starting with a checklist. It's more like, maybe it's just the way my brain works, but I, I need to kind of like have the experience of going through the process and feeling where my where my stress creeped in, or or where in in you know the post mortem, the hour after the thing, I just put down a bunch of notes of stuff I should have done. The the checklist becomes obvious to me like after I do a few of the thing. Yeah. Once it feels like the once it feels like I'm I'm kind of circling around a like I'm reasonably happy with 
what the thing is, but I'm not happy with the uh, inefficiency or the stress involved with doing it that way. So the it ex- kind of yeah, like, the execution. Yeah, the thing's kind of created at that point. It feels like the paint is sort of dried, and then it's like, okay, now how am I gonna how am I gonna every week when I show up or every other week when I show up? How am I going to move through this process? And yeah, so yeah, I th- I think that's it's like that's a personal. I don't know if you want to call it a risk tolerance, but yeah, because if you're doing something for the first time, but it's calling on some basic skill sets that you use all the time. Like if you'd use Crowdcast a bunch of times for other stuff, you're probably not thinking about that so much. So it's like, I I don't need a checklist. I know I have to create this meeting and I know I have to do this and I have to do that. And then whether you do it right at the beginning or you do it kind of after the paint is dry, as you say, it's... Um, I think there is an updating process. You either do it after you're into it a little bit and you realize you need that that checklist or that system, or you do it at the beginning, recognizing that whatever you're doing in the beginning isn't going to be what you're going to be working with a month from now or right. two months from now. It's got to change. It right. will. Yeah. So it's it's like I go, it has something to do with like creativity and optimization. So So for me, I have to create the thing before I can optimize it. So it's not the, it's kind of all mixed together a little bit, but you're right. Like, like I, for using this example of group coaching, I was 100% familiar with all the tools, Slack and Crowdcast and uh, what other tools are involved. Those are the big ones. So familiar with the tools and I, I knew I could do, you know, 80, 20 rule. I know I can wing it and it'll be B, a B plus maybe. It'll be, it'll be okay, but I'll maybe be drained after it because I had to, you know, do this balancing act, you know, while I'm doing the, doing the mm-hmm. performance, I'm like on screen performing, so to speak, but I'm also doing the behind the scenes uh, production. So, so once I get a feel for, you know, I had a reasonably high enough level of confidence with the tools that I could wing it, it would be good, not maybe not great, but it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And say like, okay, how can I make that better? And so once I have a feel for exactly what it is that I'm trying to deliver, then it's it's that's when I I, I feel like it's time to like de-stress myself and and air quotes automate or uh, let's say autopilot the production. Yeah, I like that autopilot word because it's still manual. It's not automated. I have to do it, but I don't have to think. So I'm like an automation at that point. Well, yeah, I was just thinking with my authority nation, I started out with Crowdcast, but I switched. I'm trying to remember how many uh, how many calls we did on Crowdcast, maybe six. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't stand it because you can't see anybody. Right. And and they, I'm just sitting there like talking to air. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I wanted <laughs> to see them or at least, you know, didn't, even if they weren't live to see a picture of them. Right. So I knew, I knew who was there or that somebody was there. So yeah, and I switched it. And so um, that's part of it. It's, it's, we need to be open as we're doing this to how could we do this better? And uh, ironically, the, you know, the members liked the Zoom better mm-hmm. because they could also see each other which was part of what they, you know, they were buying in the process. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Because when you have everything uh, in these individual steps, it makes it easy. So like you were just giving an example of how to improve the experience for you and the participants. Uh, I have in, in my checklist, what I usually find is sometimes, sometimes that happens for sure. Um, but other times, the thing that seems to happen more often is is I'll find st- there'll be stuff on the list that I do every week and 
I'll be like, wait a minute, why do I do this? Like, does this does this step matter? Because it's a pain. Mm-hmm. You know, so like for example, uh, with the group coaching, after each session, I I at the beginning I would download the video, uh, and then at one point Crowdcast upgraded. And now the videos are HD, so they're huge. Because I'll go for like oh, ninety minutes yeah. sometimes, and it's like this gigantic video. And it takes a while for Crowdcast to process it, and I, uh-huh. you know, so I've got this step that's open in the in the in the script, you know, that we're like the checklist. There's this step, and I'm like, download video. I'm like, it's not ready yet, so now I'm like stuck on this step. So I skip over it and I wait for it, and, you know, and I do other stuff, and I come back. Oh, it's still not there, you know. So maybe I should <laughs> move it to the end of whatever. And it's annoying. The render every time. takes forever. Yeah, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So it's unpredictable, and and I'm just like. I've literally never done anything with these videos. Crowdcast has never lost one. I'm never going to do anything with these videos as far as I can tell. And if I did need them, I could just get them from Crowdcast. So maybe I just take that step out. You know, there's there are a bunch of steps that even though I don't have to think about them, create that friction that I'm always trying to get rid of. And if I could, mm-hmm. that one piece is annoying. Uh, it's something that I did as a backup for because... I would have felt bad at one time if those videos all disappeared or if Crowdcast disappeared or something like that. But at this point, it seems like, you know, knock on wood, now I'm going to stop doing it and Crowdcast is going to like get bought by Salesforce (laughs) or something. But uh, anyway, um, that's, that is something that uh, now for, for folks who I talk to, I talk about something called productized services all the time. And the very, the first thing we start with uh, is them imagining delivering the thing. And then we try to put together a timeline of everything that would happen for the delivery of this service. So if somebody buys like a road mm-hmm. mapping engagement or like a website teardown or something like that, I'm like, okay, well, what, what are all the things that you think would have to happen here? Let's like imagine what your checklist would be like. And once you create that and you've got this productized service, the same way I'm describing like this, uh, downloading the HD video is kind of, yeah, it's, it doesn't do anything and it's annoying waiting for it. What if I just stop doing that? It's the same with, a, it's the same with any kind of checklist situation where, uh, but, but it really shines with something you're getting paid for, not by hours, but by just a fixed price for a productized service. You can go through and cut stuff out that over time you learn is not adding any value to the customer. So they're not going to miss it. It doesn't, it doesn't, you're not losing anything. And you can leave the price the same and and get some time back. So you're increasing your profitability on the engagement. So paring down the checklist or the SOP or whatever you want to call it and pulling out, having everything listed makes it really easy to, to reason about which things really you thought needed to be there, but don't really need to be there after all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's kind of the advantage of all of this is that it, you're, it's front and center so that you can see it and you can fix the things that aren't working the way that you want them to. Yeah, it, it makes it way more, it just like puts it in front of your face and you can be like, oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. do you do you find yourself, like how often does this happen for you? How often do you change yours? Like let's think, do you have something that you run like every week that has a checklist, like something, or every day, like something that's fairly frequent? Um. Well, I have, we have the podcast, which is once a week, once a week, but we've talked about that. I have, uh, the authority nation, which is twice a month. Um, I don't know that I have something that's every day other than checking in on social media. I do, mm-hmm. I do that every day, mm-hmm. but I have a, for that? I, well, yeah, I have a master checklist by day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, wow. And I know, and I, I resisted doing that because it just felt like, 
just a little rigid, frankly. <laughs> but the reason I do it is it may be unique to me. Maybe nobody else has this problem, but I would forget the weirdest things. And it's, uh, here's an example. So I, uh, I write a longer post every week and I write those on Monday mornings and they are, um, they are emailed on Wednesday. After I write that, I have to choose an image, load it and test it in WordPress. Um, uh, and then do, um, set it up for email. And then I write a set of weekly tweets that I give to my VA. Now, none of those things are particularly hard. Every once in a while, I forget one because I'm not, I just don't like execution. I like strategy. Yeah. I like to think about big stuff. Like yeah. this little stuff makes me crazy. Yeah. And if I don't have it listed somewhere, I will forget. I would say I, on average, once a month, I would forget one of these things. And because I have a VA, um, she'll say, Rochelle, I need <laughs> this. Um, but I love it when she doesn't have to tell me when it's just done and I don't have to pull myself off something else to do some little detail that I forgot. The other thing that a weekly checklist, or uh, it's daily, but I keep it as a weekly document. The other thing that it does for me is for those things that are not regular, um, it it hones me into that. Like I forgot to post something on Authority Nation one time and that's really why I started the checklist. I'm like, that's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to make sure that I'm doing this. So I just have a section on each day for what I'm doing the week of that class. So, you know, what day am I sending out the reminder? Or what day am I looking at the questions? And then I have a specific checklist for the the program itself. Mm. I know it, does, it sounds really rigid, but it works for me. It's, I'm looking at it right now. I have it in a Lucite folder on my desk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, structure is freeing. You know, it's like it allows you to focus your brain on stuff that your brain's good at and, and to not burn your brain out on stuff is a waste of time. Like you don't want to make all those extra decisions. I, I don't. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going to wear a, a black turtleneck and jeans every day. You know, I, 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 I want I, yeah, Of course you do. Black t-shirt and jeans every day. <laughs> But it's, I, you know, I, that's a place where I like to spend a little tiny bit of creative energy, but I don't want to spend it on routine tasks that, mm. you know, I don't need to really worry about. Yeah. I just, I need to know that they're done, but I don't need to spend brain time worrying about them. Yeah. So let's go back to the trigger for that one. The trigger was something went wrong and you were mm -hmm. like, that's not acceptable. And that is, that in fact was the trigger for our TBOA checklist after the lost episode with Priya Parker. We mm -hmm. were like, I, I was especially like, okay, so I need a checklist for this so that I don't do something dumb again. And uh, that's a great, that's a great trigger. So like if something, I, I mean, I suppose it's obvious, but you know, if you think back to like, oh, when was the last time you like punted? And, you know, like duffed one into the weeds. It's just like, oh, maybe I should come up with a checklist for this. And uh, it can it can feel if it, it reminds me a little bit of delegation where you where mm. you hear this all the time. It's classic, not just people I work with, but it's a classic leadership thing or like entrepreneurial thing where people are like, oh, I could delegate that, but it'd be faster for me to just do it. Mm -hmm. And that it's like yeah the first time and it's the same kind of thing it's like well i could write a checklist but that's gonna you know it's gonna take me like 15 minutes i'll remember next time so they you know you, there's this resistance to formalizing it at all and so maybe maybe the the time for you if you're resisting it because you think oh, i like to change it every time or um or i'll remember 
the next time to shut off Dropbox Sync before we record or shut off my phone notifications. I'll remember next time. The next time you are you forget <laughs> the next time. Or you, you remember that, but you forget something you forget else. Something else. Yeah. Then that's a great trigger for like, let me just write down it's probably only six steps, and then you go write it down and it's actually fifteen. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then you organize them into the the most efficient order to do them in, and boom. And just I, I, you know, I love that you have them printed out in your desk. That's awesome. <laughs> well, on on top of that, the header is in my brand shade of that br- pinkish red <laughs> color because it makes me happy yeah. to look at that. But you know, I was thinking about. It. I have a client who has a lot of this kind of stuff. He's got a very busy business, and he's got a not a VA, but he has an in house administrative person. And when he started doing more and more things electronically, he handed the stuff off to her. And it was driving me crazy because I would see these emails and they, oh, gee, it's dear, like dear member or something like that instead of the name or the title still said, you know, new post instead of the name that it was supposed to be. And so I said, you know, so I was talking to him and said, all right, so you need to work with your your admin so that there is a system. He's like, well, there is a system. I give it to her and she does it. I said, yeah, but it's wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I mean, so I cut out a little piece of what I do for mine and I sent it to him and said, now give this to her and tell her to follow this. You know, this is what you need to think about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not everybody is wired that way. They just, and so for him, it's delegated and it's done. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it, if you're a soloist especially, it's a little different if you have a firm and you've got people you can really delegate to on a regular basis. But if you have a firm and you're building it and you're building this into something that's more than just you consulting on a few things here and there freelancing, there is power in writing down every procedure that you outsource. Yeah, and value, not just power. Like if you're if you're really entrepreneurial and you're going to sell that business someday, it'll be a lot more valuable if you've got a three ring yep. binder that's an inch thick with like everything that everybody does, so yes. that you can go on vacation. Even if you don't want to sell the business, like you can't go on vacation if you're the only one that knows how to do everything. So, oh, I know. Yeah. Or what happens when your person who does this for you goes on vacation or they're yeah. sick? Right. I mean, it happens. I, yeah. I still remember when I had a, a you know, a, a regular, you know, consulting business with employees and we had actual walls and doors <laughs> and my chief admin um, had a, a tragedy in the family and was gone for a month. Mm. I mean, I can't even tell you. She, she came back. The first thing I did was give her a raise. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, you, you've got to be prepared and it's okay to delegate. It's great to delegate, but mm-hmm. you've got to know what it is that you're delegating. And if they shift, this is a thing I learned from Todd Trusseter that I thought was really powerful, is when they shift what they're doing, you put the responsibility on them to update, update. the document. Yeah. So yep. that way, it's like you can do this in a better way. There's no magic that the, of the way that I've outlined it, but you have to document it and give it to me. Right. Yep, I was going to mention that too. Like, that's a good episode to listen to if you do have people that you delegate to, because he talked at length about that process. And like, you know, they, I think it was all Google Docs, and like every time they do the thing, if they do, they're free. They get, they can have ownership over the system, but they do have to document it. So, so that if there's any kind of like craziness, you know, like you just said, something happens and the person's not around, somebody can step in for them and know what's going on. I've got a student who's whose whole the biggest piece of his value proposition is like a 60 page playbook for how to for how businesses can do a particular thing 
It's a, a complicated multi-step process. And it's like, it's like gold, gold. Yeah, there's, there's a, the, the reason why I, I mentioned Todd Trusseter a lot is because he does a thing on his site that I really admire. And as a reader, I enjoy it a lot, which is he links his articles and he has a very specific way of doing his cornerstone content. And some of them are like 12 pages long. These are not insignificant, but he links back and forth between them. So if you decide you want to know more about topic X, he's got links in there to bring you to the other stuff. So you, if you wanted to, you could read his stuff for a couple of hours on one topic. Yeah. And it's impossible to do that if you don't have this backup system of knowing where all that stuff is so that you can connect the dots for the reader. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's something I've always wanted to do on with my dailies, but it's it's just not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's harder. It's harder with an email. This is you know these are are posts right, on right, a right. site, and yeah. they're and they're down. A lot of them are downloadable PDFs. Right. But yeah, but if you start out that way and mm. you keep at it, and and you have a topic like that that has some. Well, any topic can be made this way where you've got a, a set of keywords that people are really interested in and, and they want to go down a rabbit hole. You provide the opportunity for them to do that. Right. Yeah. I cheated on that. I, um, by you can do these like site specific Google searches. If you're, if you like know how to use advanced Google searches, you can say search for value pricing on jonathanstark.com just on that website. Mm. And so what I did, is I, I took all the big topics that I talk about, kind of like like what a tagging system would do. Mm-hmm. And I just do these site-specific searches and then I grab those links and I have links on my sort of like my free stuff page. It's like if you're interested in productized services, just click this and it uh. basically does a Google. So you get a Google search result of like 50 articles I've written about productized services or whatever. So totally, totally cheated. I, I love that. Make a note of that, listeners. That's a great shortcut. It's I, That's how I find stuff on my own site. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> my site's a static site. It doesn't have its own search. But Google does such a great job indexing it that it doesn't, doesn't really need to. That's really interesting. Because, yeah, I have a search button on my site. And I, I use it myself sometimes to find, right. you know, certain things. But, right. Yeah. All right. So when, when do you, so I feel like the steps are kind of like some, something happens, you create a new thing and you're feeling stressed out about executing it on a regular basis. It's usually, it's always something that happens on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you know, something that's, that's, um, you know, some, something that's going to happen again and you know it and you're stressed out every time you go to do it, you feel like you're reinventing the wheel or you drop the ball and do something unprofessional or something gets left out. So that's when you should at least create a checklist when do you go a step further and get a get a programmer involved and like really formalize the the process so that it's more so that some of those steps from the checklist kick off like dominoes and nobody has to do them they just happen see for me it's almost never what about um, what about do you have anything with like after somebody makes a purchase in moon clerk it like goes to to convert kit and maybe sends a follow up email or anything like that no, because I, I actually tried to do that myself once and I totally messed it up. And so I just left it alone. No, I don't do that. But but it does make sense. It's something I would hire somebody to do that. Um, I think we talked about this on the show before. And it was in December, I think, that I was working on redoing my welcome sequences. And oh, my God, I, I swear I still have bald patches in my in my on my head from pulling my hair out because um 
to your point in, in, in the discussion with Jason, I was so frustrated because I didn't have a document to go to that told me what interacted with what and how. Mm-hmm. So when I created this new sequence and I got rid of a whole bunch of old tags, I mean, I, I just cleaned house mm-hmm. and and I wrote a document so that I know what the what the flow chart is. It's not a flow chart because I'm not good with those. It's a, it's, it's a word document. But now if I need to figure something out, I don't have to spend an hour racking my brain trying to understand like what goes from here to there to there. Mm-hmm. I just look at this document and go, oh yeah, I just need to go to this piece over here, this sequence and tweak something here. And now I could hand that off to somebody to program what you just said. That was a very long-winded answer to your question. Right. But yeah, but for me, I, I program very, very little. But mm-hmm. I would hire somebody to do it if I felt like the volume warranted systematizing in that way. Yeah, that's that's what it is too for me. It's like the high volume stuff is the stuff that I have automated. So for the obvious one is the daily list. You know, my old process was like I'd, I'd author the daily email somewhere, not in Drip because Drip is a, it's the interface for authoring emails is really, really slow and clunky and unpredictable. And, um, you know, you'd be in the middle of one and like your, your cookie would expire and it would time out and it wouldn't be saving. It's just like, what is going on here? Um, and it would try and be smart, whatever. I don't, I don't like it. It's a bad authoring environment for me. And uh, so I would, so I was like, okay. I know I don't like that. So I would author somewhere else. And then I had a, you know, my process, I don't think I had it written down, but I did it every single day. So I didn't really forget. I'd like write it usually in Ulysses. If I was on my computer, I'd copy it as HTML. I'd go into drip. I'd paste it into the source code version. So like my, my mm-hmm. formatting stayed the way I wanted it. And then I'd switch over to, you know, I'd review it and then I would just send it. And that was that. But when I started putting stuff on my website also, then it was like, all right, where am I going to put it first? I'm like, eh. So I wrote a tiny tiny php page i mean it's probably it's probably like 30 lines it's nothing it's just like a a box to type in and a button and i type it in there it's perfectly it just accepts markdown which people in the audience might know what that is just so i just do my formatting and markdown which is easy to do in plain text submit it goes on my site that updates an rss feed that drip picks up to send it out and it also triggers um the RSS feed also triggers publication to Twitter and LinkedIn. So I just type into my my little homegrown box. It works on desktop and mobile. So I have one process for the whole thing and it just goes out everywhere. Well, everywhere. I mean, it's published to my site, to my mailing list, to Twitter and to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. All, all like instantaneous and automatic. Super, super cool. And all I wrote, uh, I mean, I did probably, you know, fawn over my code to make sure it was primo elegant uh, for two hours or something. <laughs> And, and I took a couple and I did a couple of of upgrades maybe a week or two later when I was like, yeah, it would be good to have my PS in there automatically or to be able to choose it or whatever. And then I was like, oh, it'd be good if, you know, it saved this locally while I was typing it in case I accidentally refreshed the browser and it will erase everything. So I, I upgraded it a tiny bit, but all told, I probably maybe I spent two hours on it, maybe three hours. And it was pure joy working on it because I love that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now, I mean, that I mean, when, when you take. I mean, I probably took, oof, I mean, 10 minutes at least off of the, the, the experience, 10 minutes in like, like an infinite amount of frustration out of my old process. And I made That's it an hour a week. Oh, it, and, it, and it's just so much easier, so much more fun. 
it feels it's friction. I always say frictionless. It feels frictionless. I can I don't have to wait for anything. Everything is insanely fast. I just like the the I can just totally focus on what am I trying to say, and I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about anything else. And just like boom, submit goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that is really that that was huge for me. And again, I want to emphasize like oh well, I didn't actually explain how it goes everywhere. Um, but I, I just want to emphasize to the developers out there, this is like, it's mostly HTML and there's like one, you know, three lines of PHP that posted to my website. It's like nothing. Um, the other, and then the other things like drip just sees the RSS and it sucks it in and Zapier sees the RSS and it posted to LinkedIn and Twitter. So there's no code, no code there either from, you know, that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. And then, uh, again, when to, when when to systematize or even get into some real programming is when it's like relentless schedule. So another thing is yeah. like follow up when somebody buys something because I have like a bunch of digital products that you can buy and I do want to follow up with people, make sure they got it, see if they have any questions and I, I could never keep up with it. I mean, I'd be constantly doing that. So, oh, you could automate that. Yeah, yeah. So that again, no code though, you know, Moon Clerk tells Drip that somebody bought the thing. It adds them to a little like onboarding campaign for the particular book or whatever that they bought and uh, ask them if they had any aha, mo- you know, aha moments and, you know, whatever. It's not, they're obviously automated, but uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It tags them in drip. So I, you know, I don't bother them about, you know, Hey, do you want to buy this book you already have, which is annoying. <laughs> uh, so that, but that's, it's no code. I didn't write any code. That's all just native drip with the moon clerk automation. Um, Crowdcast tells Drip when people, you know, if somebody signs up for a Crowdcast webinar, it just tells Drip and it tags them. And if there's a, if there's like a campaign associated with that to like give them the slides or uh, whatever the follow-up materials are, just happens automatically. So these things that happen. Yeah, I have some of those too. I, I, yeah, I don't think of those as automation because I just don't even think about it. It works. Yeah, it, it happens. Just works, right. Yeah. Because I mean, really the moral to what you're saying is use as much of the native application as you can right right well it i just i just do the easiest thing that's going to work reliably and Mm -hmm. these all these platforms are making it making it easier and easier to just plug them into each other so that it can get confusing so do try and keep it simple um i try and keep all of my like logic in it as one place as i can i try to keep most of it in zapier but you some of it some of you have to have in drip Um, but i don't have any any custom code anywhere uh, and then the other the other the biggest thing that i the other big thing is tps and tps is one of those things that it only happens twice a year so i've completely forgotten how to set it up by the time it comes around the yeah next time. yeah so i have like a 200 line checklist of how to set up a new tps and uh and then i also have some rss based programming it's it's i did write some php to 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 create an RSS feed starting on a particular date. So I just, all I do is put in a date of the starting date of the lessons of the, whatever the new pricing seminar session is going to start. And then it publishes this RSS feed and every, you know, as time goes on, it's like, Oh, it's Wednesday. So publish this new, it's kind of like publishing a blog post or, or a podcast episode uh, in the future, like scheduling it in the future, but they're all preset. I just update the start date and then all the dates automatically flow in where they're supposed to go. And again, Zapier publishes it to the announcement channel in Slack. I could 
send out emails, but I don't really want to do that. But I could I could do that. I've thought about it. And what else does it do? Oh, and the other the other big thing is setting up the Slack room itself. So there's a million things that that you need to configure that are not on by default. Um, so over time, I you know I've done it. This is, we're in the seventh one right now, so I've done it enough times. I did three an old way, and then I chucked the whole thing and did it over again because I was like, I had a system, and I was like, okay, but then I got feedback on the course and all you know the the lessons and everything, and I was like, okay, I want to do TPS V2, the new and improved TPS. So then I did everything over from scratch, which was much easier because I wasn't like blazing as much new ground and the lessons were all record. Well, I did re-record all the lessons, but I knew what the topics were. And I knew you what knew what they were. were. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And um, I found, again, we, we talked about this earlier, but having this list of like a billion things you have to do to set up this sort of complicated Slack room is since it's sitting in front of me. I'm like, you know, there's got to be, you know, I have to, I have to create like 40 channels and have like topics in each channel. It's like a lot of typing manually. And I'm like, you know, I wonder if there's a way to export a clean one and then save the clean export and then import it the next time. And sure enough, there is. So like having all of those steps in front of me, like just staring at me, I'm like, oh, that is a lot of work. There's got to be an easier way. And sure enough, I found an easier way so I could get rid of all those steps and just have like the one step, which is like import the, the clean TPS Slack room thing, and it just sets everything up for me. But anyway, so having that listed out um, makes it easier to spot optimization opportunities. Yeah, you need to be, I mean, you need to be able to see this stuff, whatever that looks like, whether that's a piece of paper, whether it's in a document you're storing somewhere or, you know, a note somewhere on your phone, it's, you need to be able to see it. And I think when we're in the throes of it. It's hard to see all the pieces. Yeah, right. Agreed. Because your brain is like distracted. It's like trying to do two different things at once. Well, I remember when I finally um, bought um, calendar software and I use Calendly. And what the moment I realized that I could automate my one shot coaching session where <laughs> they can go in, they can say, yes, I want to do it. They pay, they go right to my calendar and they're scheduled and it's all in one smooth transaction. Yeah. And you would have laughed if you'd seen how excited I was oh, <laughs> in that moment. It's awesome. Yeah, I it's awesome. More. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So what what happens? So okay, great. we're so professional and systematized and we've got all of our we're we've got our act together. Oh, we're swaggering. That's right. <laughs> but but I know just like I'm sure just like me, life gets in the way of your systems sometimes and I'm curious like what what does that look like? Does that does your does having your weekly thing on the desk kind of prevent interruptions or like, you know, when when things blow up in your external life or my external life or the kids do something or I have to, you know, whatever, the toilet's right. overflowing, something, and you get kicked off of your routine. Like, first of all, how often does that happen to you and, and what do you do about it? Well, you know, I don't have little kids running around, so I don't have, you know, that frequency of distraction. But, you know, I've got a rental property I've just, you know, re-rented and or I get a call that something broke. Um, so yeah, it happens. So for me, the checklist is what keeps me sane. So I'll give you an example. When the uh, my rental unit was emptied, I knew in advance that I was going to need to go and spend a day there. 
And the only day I could put on my calendar that I didn't have things that weren't movable was a Monday. And Monday is the day that I write everything. So I'm like, okay, so how am I going to do this? I knew I had to get it done. And that was the only day to get it done. So, you know, I did it over the weekend. Um, You know, so that's something that I knew was coming. The other thing is, you know, I just don't stop until I've finished everything on the list for that day, or I've moved it to the next day with a realistic expectation I can do it the next day. And it's just because if, if it's not mission critical, it's not on the list. Right. It has to get done. Yeah. There is no option. Yeah. I, I, I totally subscribe to James Clear's story on this, his, his, uh, his riff on this, which is basically what you just said, where uh, for daily habit, he's a huge fan of daily habits, as am I. Mm-hmm. For a daily habit, he's like professionals, like professional athletes or whoever, like people who are operating at the top of their game, uh, they'll miss a day just like anybody else, but they do not miss two days. Mm-hmm. So if so, he was like, they'll fall off the horse just like anybody else, but they get right back on. So if you if I have a day when I'm like, you know, whatever, um, I forgot to publish my email, my daily email, or, you know, something crazy happened, you know, whatever, the, the I'm trying to think of, you know, the car battery dies and like we have to get AAA and like all the, you know, s- something happens. And uh, I'll just be like, wow, that day flew by and whatever, I forget. Then it's like the next day I am like, is nothing else matters. Like that mm-hmm. needs to be done. Yep. Total focus. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I catch up and, and for certain things, like I've got this daily to-do list, which isn't sort of like a system. It's more of a structure. It's not really a system, but I've got this recurring daily to-do list and anything on, there's almost everything on there. You could theoretically do twice in one day. So things like, you know, 100 yeah. push-ups or the daily email or, um, you know, maybe not floss your teeth. I don't know if that would help. But, you know, there's, <laughs> there's things on there's a couple of things on there you can't do it twice in one day, like fast for 12 hours and stuff like that. But but most of the stuff could be done twice in one day. And that's my sort of sort of um, this, that's the slack that I build into that routine, which is that if I do miss it, you know, like I'm realistic that things are going to happen. You know, something something crazy is going to happen. So when that happens, I just make double dog sure that the next day I do it either twice or I at least catch up on it. You know, if it's like a, if it's like something I only do once a week, like edit the podcast, mm-hmm. for example. Yep. So, so stuff like that. Um, I think, I think really that's, that's the solution for life getting in the way is like, have your routine. Sometimes something's going to happen and you can miss it. But do not miss it. This like make it a top priority to not miss it again because now you're creating a negative streak. Now you don't do that thing anymore. Now that's not a regular yep. practice anymore. So if you if it's important and you do miss it, don't miss it twice in a row. And you know, like like James said on the show, he's like, if you have a weekly habit and you know every Monday you I don't know go karate or whatever, and even if you miss every other one. You still went 25 times that year. And if you do it every mm-hmm. day, it, you know, if you mean to do it every day, but you really only do it every other day, it's still like 160 or whatever the math is, like 365 divided by two. So you've still done it a lot, a real lot. But, yeah. you know, ideally, I, I'm very streak motivated. And so I don't want to break the streak. I do not. I hate that feeling of breaking a streak. So it's extreme. So, but and I know if I break it, break it, I'm dead. It's over. See, and I'm not motivated by the streak at all. I'm motivated by how does it feel when I'm done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
or when I'm doing it, because it's not like everything on the list that I don't enjoy. Like I really enjoy writing my posts. I don't enjoy the process of getting it up and running, but I do it. I don't outsource that. I do it myself because it gives me another chance to see the reader experience. Mm -hmm. I want to see what it looks like when it's up on my site and, and I'll change something or I'll put it in an email and I'll go, oh, that doesn't feel, that feels awkward. It doesn't feel like a conversation. I need to change this. Um, so yeah, so it's, I think it's really important to recognize what your motivation is when you look at this stuff. And I, mean, I think the streak is great. I mean, if that motivates you, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not for everybody. That's for sure. Um, hopefully this is helpful. Is there anything else that you can think of that triggers your desire to triggers your desire to systematize something and how much time you spend doing it, like how much of a time investment goes into it? Well, it's interesting you asked that question because what I was thinking about is we maybe should talk about when you should think about getting a VA for this stuff. Um, Because the the trigger for me, what's the trigger? The trigger for me is usually negative. It's usually like frustration. It. I wish I could say it was positive. Oh, I want to recapture this hour of my day. <laughs> and I did do that after I read the four-hour work week. I did change how I worked. Uh-huh. Um, didn't really change my checklist per se, um, but it did change how I how and when I look at emails. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what, so so what you're what you're saying is like something you just like you're like oh, I hate uploading these images from my blog posts and that's kind of the trigger to like give it to somebody else to do no i was answering your question about the trigger when when to decide to systemize something in terms of a va i thought you okay yeah sorry here's my thinking about a va the time to hire a va is when you decide that your time is more valuable than your money that's the time to hire a va and so for me i've had a va for years Mm -hmm. and I chose her very, very carefully. I think she chose me very carefully too. <laughs> um, but I, a couple things. I love having a partner in crime. I do not view her as this automaton that I hand things off to and she just does them. She has a brain and she pushes back um, w- with me on, on some things or she'll say, you know, I think it's time you do X. She's pushed me into making changes sooner than I would have on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's really all about that. But here's the thing. We've really talked about this already, but I just want to emphasize it again, is when you hand something off, I believe you need to understand what it is you're handing off. Yeah. You need to understand what's going to happen so that you don't get in a situation where you're going, well, is it done? Because you don't, the whole idea of handing it off is you shouldn't need to go back five times and say, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Is you got to have a system in place with that person that you both agree to. Right. Right. And, and then you can relax that portion of your brain. Not completely. Right. Because stuff happens, but you can relax it more than you can when you're doing it all yourself. Mm-hmm. You're being attacked from behind. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm trying to see what it is. There's some kind of a little, like, lawn vehicle something. Sorry. It's like the beginning of the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, bulldozing Arthur Dent's house. Uh, nerd joke. Still. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, I did, uh, in 2019, I experimented with a VA to do YouTube stuff that I didn't want to do. But I, I did 
revert to my modus operandi, which is anything I don't want to do, I just don't do. And I'm like, deal with it, you know, so much more utilitarian approach. Uh, and I can automate. I mean, I mean, now that we're talking about it, I haven't really coded that much automation, very, very little. Um, but there have been little little things that I've added in to, you know, make sure my social media images when I post a Ditcherville comic are the comic instead of the generic site image and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they're all really little things. And it's like, how can I come up with a way to do, you know, if I'm going to do YouTube, how can I do it without having to edit and upload the video? How do I get rid of all those steps instead of handing them off to someone else? So like that's just the way my brain works but but i think that's an important thing because i mean the first question is does this need to get done correct yes that's the first question agreed and and i am i'm like savage about cutting stuff out you know could i hand it off to someone yes do i want to not really yeah that's i'd rather just not do it right well, and I think there's also, there's a, there's a kind of consulting that lots of people do where you've got interaction with Fortune 500 people, and sometimes you want someone to help you with that. Um, I've got clients who use a VA for scheduling um, because they mm-hmm. don't want to use the automated software because yeah. they believe it doesn't fit with their brand. Yes. So there's a lot of different, yeah, there's a lot of different uses for a VA. Um, I have another client who does a lot of meetings but doesn't want her, her, she'll let her VA schedule it because she gives her a set of criteria around the location. Cause she has, this is before the pandemic, but she'd get in her car and drive to these people. So she had to have enough room in her calendar and she just wasn't interested in trying to program Calendly to take into account all that. I mean, it's, it was almost yeah. impossible in her mind. So you have to really think about what's going to work for you and how um but there you know i i'm a big proponent of vas when you when you're clear about what you want to do you've got very clear expectations and you're working with someone who is the right fit for those expectations that's the dance mm-hmm. and that's why some people get turned off when they've tried a va once or twice and it hasn't worked yeah yeah i'm all I, i'm all for it uh, and and i maybe we'll get back to it at some point um, I definitely see the advantage. And I'm also not afraid to hire people for one-off stuff. I, I do that on yeah. a relatively regular basis, like um, book cover design or like editing or, you know, for a book or, um, you know, something big like that. Not the daily emails, but like something big or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just stuff like or someone to write code to automate something for me because it's going to be, it's something I don't want to learn, like something annoying, like the Slack API or something. Eh, I don't care about that. It's not... Not fun to learn, so I'll just you know pay somebody to do it. Time versus money. Right, right. <laughs> but by and large, you know, ninety percent of the time, it's like I I could pay someone to you know edit my daily emails and make sure I don't have any typos, or I could just put a one hundred percent typo guarantee at the bottom of it and not have to hire anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> and get points for cleverness. Exactly right. So I'm always looking for ways to like cut out stuff that. Like the 80-20 rule. It's like like just cutting yeah. out the stuff that that can be cut out. It's not the you know total necessity. But that's kind of, I, I suppose, that has become on brand for me, this sort of utilitarian everything. And, you know, and I, but what it allows me to do is focus 100% on the writing and the ideas and, and recording podcasts and speaking and putting together talks and stuff and like answering questions in my email or on, on a crowdcast. So th- that's the stuff I'd rather focus on. 
and devote my time to like I want to do maximize that genius zone stuff and and just like certainly either not do the other stuff or have somebody else do it you know like obvious obviously I you know outsource my bookkeeping and any legal stuff all of that obviously but but the stuff that's sort of core in the content business it's like nah no either not do it or or maybe get someone to do it for me if it if it's going to happen all the time well and that's really kind of what we've been talking about without explicitly saying it is that the way that we're suggesting you use systems is to make your best dream a reality, i.e. working in your genius zone, creating output that's really valuable, whether that's outcomes for your clients or it's um, content that you're marketing. And it's systems should be supportive. They shouldn't drive you. It's the other way around. Mm, yeah. Cool. I think we've done it. <laughs> now I'm going to get to the so? post the post flight checklist. Ah yes, yes. Pre-flight, post-flight. We don't have a yes. during flight. We should have that. Be smart. It's just got one. <laughs> yeah, try not to be stupid. <laughs> yeah. Try not people. Cool. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark and I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.